0: Welcome in, welcome in, welcome in. Hey, training camp starts this week. All right, we we are here. We're, We're finally, we finally made it. All right, training camp's about to start getting really geared up. You know, rookies are going to start reporting this week for a lot of teams. And then we're going to get the, you know, the vets they are going to start showing up next week. And so, you know, we finally made it, right? We're actually going to get some actionable news, you know, some stuff that's going on at training camp. You know, start to, you know, get, get a better idea of what's happening, you know, around the league and how things might might shake out. And then we're going to start getting some preseason games. I mean, we're like only, what, like two weeks, maybe two and a half weeks away from the, the Hall of Fame game. So we're going to finally have some NFL football. Even though it's preseason, I really don't care. I'm still going to get excited about it. So... Uh, you know, tonight we're going to talk about some of our favorite sleepers. We also have a lot of good stuff going on on the YouTube with a lot of profiles coming out pretty much every single day. So I'm excited about that. But Robbie, how you doing?
1: Brother, I am ready to talk about some sleepers. We do have some news as well. You know, you, you said that, hey, there's going to be a lot of news coming up. We're going to see people in action, things happening. Well, man, there's a little bit of a Twitter drama out there with a, one running back coming off injury, a couple other news pieces that we want to make sure people know about. So, there's news trickling out and it's only going to keep coming as we get closer to training camp.
0: Hell yeah. De- most definitely. You know, the best time of the year where we, we start to get all the Twitter blurbs, the, the, you know, the NBC sports edge blurbs mm-hmm. that start dropping, you know, about all these players and, you know, we start to overreact to something and then preseason happens. and One player makes this crazy play. And then, you know, he shoots up draft boards, you know, happens every year, you know, love to see it, I guess, but uh, you know, we're not that far away. NFL season is right around the corner. So you know, it was a long off season, but regardless of that, like you said, you know, there, there was some news this week, right? And, Walido, appreciate you. Sleeper Tuesday, yes, two weeks till preseason, absolutely. NFL DFS, finally, almost here. Actually, me and Maddie have been talking about, you know, when we're going to fire up the, the DFS Nation pod that's been lying dormant since, uh, you know, I think, like, Super Bowl week or something like that. So, uh, you know, DFS is coming back hard and heavy. So, we have some NFL news to talk about. You know, we got old rap sheet, which – Listen, anybody who follows Rap Sheet, you should know. Okay, Rap Sheet is uh, wrong a lot, a lot when it comes to NFL news. And he got uh, blasted on uh, Twitter this week uh, by J.K. Dobbins after he tweeted that uh, you know Rap Sheet said something about like he was going to be out for like, he could possibly miss Week One. And then J.K. just came right at him, though he, it was kind of contradictory because he said he might not go on the pup, but you know he said his rehab is going well, and um, so. I don't know uh, what to truly expect from that from that tweet, but it sounds like uh, you know it is uh, going uh, well for him. So I have concerns with J.K. Dobbins. I don't know how you feel about him. Like I don't feel great about drafting him this year, though he isn't you know being drafted like I think he's going like twenty first or twenty second overall uh, among running backs right now, which is roughly in the forties, I believe, is where his ADP lies. But I just like with everything coming out about him, like he doesn't sound like he's fully healthy, right? But this is kind of similar to Saquon Barkley last year, too, if you remember right. There was some of this, like, oh, is he going to be ready? He might be ready. I don't know. And then he finally was able to make it back onto the field and he showed back up. And, you know, and then we know kind of how Saquon Barkley. Now, this is a completely different situation and a completely different offense. But what are your, how are you feeling about J.K. Dobbins?
1: Yeah, no, I do remember um, the, the Saquon Barkley stuff because you and I were on completely opposite sides of that, right? Like I was more concerned than I think most people were. And I don't think he's going to be be right off the gates, normal Saquon week one, week two, right? If we're having questions in the middle of August, and I know we're not quite there yet, but it sounds like we we will be here. Um, he said he might not be put on pump. He's going to be ready for week one. That's according to J.K. Dobbins' tweet. That means he can be you know put on just – Hey, he's not going to play for part of the preseason, right? Shut him down for preseason, fire him up in week one. But it takes a bit of time to just get back into the swing of things, right? And so, yeah, I definitely have him a little bit lower. He's actually going as running back 21 in ADP. I saw that uh, 49th overall. So that's at the back end of your fourth, early fifth round. And that's probably about right. You'd take Brees over him. I would be right there as well. And then you have Travis Etienne, Elijah Mitchell, AJ Dillon behind him. He's right there probably in that group. I like Travis Etienne, so you could have a, have a discussion there. But, again, running backs coming off of major injuries, they don't come out of the gate strong. So that's something that has to be noted. Now, can he get back to his normal self, you know, week six, seven, eight, and on? Sure, but there's probably going to be a ramp-up period, especially with the other options that they have there. I know no one loves Mike Davis, but he's a guy that they can give 12 carries to. They did it with Devontae Freeman. They did it with some of these other guys. They'll do it. He's not a guy that you're excited about, but they'll do it it, it, to make sure that Dobbins is ready long-term. And so you've got Gus Edwards as well recovering. And and Tyler Beatty, your guy, right? Let's see if he can get some work in there. So they have other guys that they can give the rock to. Um, So, yeah, I'm a little bit lower on J.K. Dobbins.
0: Yeah, it is. I don't know. I just think there's other running backs that are going in that range that I would just rather have. Right, right. Brees Hall. I'd rather have Travis Etienne. Or I'd rather have Elijah Mitchell. There's, you know, if I'm going to go running back there in that range, just, there's, there's other guys you can take. So let's just keep it moving here. We got some Saints news. Walido, uh, We have some optimism that Michael Thomas will be cleared by early in training camp, and then we also have all positive for Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston and his recovery from ACL should be ready for Week One. That that one is not surprising, but. Michael Thomas, no thanks. Uh, I've, I've made that pretty clear all offseason. I really don't want any part of Michael Thomas. If he burns me, he burns me. But I really don't see him burning me. Um, so he's just been out of the league for two years, consider, continually hurt. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm out on that. Give me Chris Olave, though. Love Chris Olave.
1: I'd say that probably just hurts Chris Olave more than it. Like, it's going to help Michael Thomas, obviously. like If we see him out there and he's looking healthy and he's cutting, everything looks fine with the ankle – He's going to be in the consideration for flex. And right now I don't I don't think he's currently – he's either going right at flex level or right below, right below that. But I, I'll probably have him pop right above uh, Chris Olave, even though as we knew pre-draft season, like I'm the Chris Olave guy. But Michael Thomas being there will suppress that that excitement that you have for Chris Olave. So it's just going to make it a little bit murkier a situation. But I, I'm in on both of them. I'm in on Jameis Winston. If we were doing some quarterback sleepers, he'd be number one on the list.
0: Uh yeah, I I still would have uh, Chris Olave. <laughs> um, I I really love Chris Olave this year, and I, I
1: Are you trying I, to I, take this is this is a big change for you, Kev, because you were not a Chris Olave guy. You thought he was boring, right? He couldn't do anything after the catch. Robbie had to defend him. You're 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 taking
0: that mantle from me. I feel like. I just I just love the spot. I love the situation that he's in, right? And uh, I think he has a pretty clear path to targets. And I think among a lot of the rookie wide receivers we have this year, like he's in the best spot, right? Like Drake London. Like I don't know. I don't really love you know having Marcus Mariota as the quarterback and you know this low volume probably pass offense they're going to have. And so I don't really want to. You know, I'm really nervous about that. So I'd rather have him over that. Garrett Wilson. You know, that, that's that's not necessarily a great offense to be in either. And then you have the Lions with James uh, James Williams. So, um, you know, I just think Chris Olave is in the best spot.
1: Well, I'm not going to argue with any uh, Chris Olave love. So uh, I'm in on that. The, the last guy we have on the list, a little bit farther down, but anybody who is kind of hoping for James White to pop up in these sleeper um, names, we're probably going to hold back on him. He's been seen with a little bit of a limp um, a, a spotted uh, walking around uh, in New England. So, um, he's probably projected for, what, 65-ish targets, right? He's taken the Brandon Bolden role that he previously had. If he's not there, maybe he pumps up a little bit for Ramondi Stevenson uh, and Damian Harris to get a little bit more of that work. I know Damian Harris didn't really get any pass catching work, but we saw Ramondi Stevenson actually do pretty well as a pass catcher in his first year. So I feel like that kind of gives some intrigue for him as this mid-round running back. If you go 0RB or something like that, it gives me some in- intrigue for Stevenson.
0: I like Stevenson as well. It's just, I, I, it's, it's just the offense, you it's know. And, merging, yeah. and, and what better. are they going to do with these running backs again? It, it's always frustrating. But I think Ramondre Stevenson is the best running back they have in the backfield right now. So, uh, you know, the, you know, Pierre Strong is obviously also there as well. But that's probably what will happen, right? It's, it's always the old adage: take the take the running back in the New England backfield that's going the latest, and he's going to be the one that succeeds. And so maybe that's Pierre Strong this year. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Like, I. You know, it is what it is. I know we see James White, missed most of last year. And so, I, I think, like I said, I think Ramondre Stevenson is the guy that I would target. I want, want no part of Damian Harris uh, yep. whatsoever. So, yep. um, other than that, you know, some other news we had was coaches not happy with Litter for net weighing 260 pounds at mandatory minicamp. Not good there with that, and then we also have some, uh, you know, some reports which I, I believe this already. Albert O and Greg Dulcich were going to be competing for, uh, you know, the starting job in camp. I think that's something that not a lot of people have talked about. Is a lot of people have loved Albert O this off, but nobody's really factored in Greg Dulcich, who he's not a blocking tight end. Like he is a true, just uh, you know, you know. Um, just a true uh, receiving tight end, right? He's not a guy you're going to go in there and ask to block, be an inline blocker, or anything like that. So I think that could pose a threat to Albert O. I love Albert O., but you know, Greg Dolch just could end up uh, kind of ruining that party um, there. So that's kind of the news that we have. I think the ones that that's that's the most important, anyways, that we have right now. Um, so uh, real, real quick
1: before we real quick before we we go on to the sleepers, why everybody came here? Are you worried at all? Because I know these. Uh, these reports come out and some people will move Leonard Fournette down. They're like, oh, he didn't come into shape. He got a, his contract. He's not as invested, right? Like, are you worried at all? Or, or is this one of those pieces of news where you're like, Hey, I'm going to buy the dip as he starts to sink. Maybe I can get him in the mid third or the late third, right? If I'm uh, a back end pick, w- w- are you moving Fournette
0: at all? No, I'm not all that concerned with it. I mean, they had, I mean, he's had month or uh, at least a, a month or two to, to get, to get his uh, weight under control. Um, You know, he is an older running back. I think there is, some. you know, there's always the concern there with with injury, which, you know, who knows? We may may, uh, allude to another running back in this backfield that, uh, you know, has some interest here uh, for me. But, no, I'm I'm not overly concerned with it. You know, I I think it's one of those things that I don't think we should be paying all that much attention to. Yeah, I'm with you there. So uh, you know, chat holding strong once again tonight. You know, Gator fan, what's up? Hey guys, how's it going? Aqua, where do you see CMC going? He's going to go number two, or number two, number three at overall, uh, pretty easily, I think. Did you see, did you see where he went in Richina's draft here. So, so I, I can see that right because there's the camp that people don't want any part of him because of injuries, right? That he's kind of burned in the last couple of years, really? and. The thing is with this is like the injuries haven't really been the same. It's not like he's continually getting like soft tissue injuries, you know, and and you know, or a hamstring issue or something like that that's continually that's getting him. So I'm not as concerned with it but when the dude's been on the field he's been absolutely dynamic and you know just drops 30 fantasy points per game performances right we haven't seen any decline in his performance whatsoever it's really just been injury based and to be fair I don't really understand how the Panthers have really handled a lot of this stuff with him over the last couple of years I'm kind of low key looking forward to Matt Rule being gone to be honest Yeah man Matt Rule the the hotness only a couple
1: years ago is kind of like what are we doing why do we keep Making these mistakes, I feel like he's one of the hottest seats as we enter the twenty twenty two season. So I'm with you there.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I think CMC is going to be a guy who and he's going to kind of range in terms of you know what kind of drafter in and what people look about him. But if, man, if you could get him at seven, I am doing backflips because I have no problem with taking him at one if people want to yep. take him at number one. We've talked right. about the Jonathan Taylor thing, uh, you know, a couple of times, and we're not really going to get into it now. But like. I, you know, people, are just, we just lock button in certain running backs at number one every year. It's always the guy who finished number one the year prior. And you know what? It, it's been since 2001 that we've had a repeat performance of an uh, over the overall RB1 finishing it in year two. So, I, you know, not that I think that John Taylor is going to fall off, but it wouldn't be crazy if he finishes like RB6, RB7 this year. Like, it's, there's definitely a range of possibility where that could happen. And... Not that that would be necessarily a bad pick, but it's obviously not going to pay off the, the running back that you took. So, right. um, yeah. Anyways, let's just go ahead and, you know, I think uh, time. Uh, get into it. Uh, Gator fan got some good news today on his home league. Kind of glad you stayed. It's a good thing that you did. Uh, it's now 12 teams instead of 14. Commissioner increased the bench spots from five to seven. Good to see that. Happy to see that. Good for you, Gator fan. So, Robbie, why don't you start us off? Hit us with your first sleeper. Yeah, this is a guy we talked about on a different
1: video. I think we were talking about undervalued uh, guys as we came into the offseason. And now we're here kind of maybe in the middle of the offseason, right before training camp starts. And he's still kind of sitting here past our 120 mark, right? 120th overall was our cutoff. So in a standard 12-team league, this is the end of your 10th round. Players that should be available as you start that 11th round. That was uh, roughly our cutoff for what we classify as sleepers right guys that are not going in your single digit rounds and the guy for me is a name that we know so he's not exactly a sleeper but he's a name that people are sleeping on because they're not taking him early enough for my taste and that's isaiah spiller this is a guy that i think should be more in that alexander madison uh, Ramonde stevenson kind of area as a handcuff that has some standalone value uh Isaiah Spiller, for anybody who doesn't know this rookie coming in for the Chargers, he was a day three pick, but it was a really a a better prospect on film What really knocked him down into day three. And this is early day three round four, um, was the speed score, the combine testing, but early day four doesn't really bother me. We've seen, you know, Michael Carter go there and he had some run early day four is kind of like your old round three, right? People are just starting to draft running backs a little bit later. So I'm not worried too much about the day three capital when it's early round four. Um, But yeah, Spiller's a really productive back for for Texas A&M on the ground with 5.5 yards per carry in the SEC, which is just fine. But then also through the air, he had 20 receptions all three seasons there for A&M, so he kind of does both things, right? And I know Austin Eckler is going to be that main pass catching back, but you love to see that as just a a boost for your PPR leagues. And and now he's going you know, at the end of the 10th, uh, start of the 11th round. And and like I said, he should be in with these other handcuffs because, one, he has standalone value because – uh, there was 140 running back carries that didn't go to Austin Eckler, right? They went to Joshua Kelly and Justin Jackson and and your guy Larry Roundtree, right? Like they're all over the place looking for somebody who's actually talented. And now I think they finally have that guy. So if he gets 115, 120 of those 140 available uh, other uh, carries, he's going to be a fantastic standalone guy for some flex weeks if you really get into bye week trouble, something like that. And then if anything happens to Austin Eckler, this is a top five offense. He's shown he can pass catch. He's already, you know, shown he's he's a decent runner from from a tough SEC conference. So I really think this guy should be going a lot higher. What say you?
0: I agree. And I think he's gonna be somebody that I'm gonna interested to see how his ADP rises in August, right? Because I think he's going to rise. I could see him getting up into like the eighth, ninth round, somewhere right around there. Um in drafts, but yes, I, I definitely agree. I think that I want pieces from this, this Chargers offense. And, you know, if something want to happen is uh, Austin Eckler. Like, I feel like there's a lot of really good, kind of like handcuff type backs this year, right? And just because of the, because so many of the rookies have been depressed this year, the rookie running backs. I mean, only having one right now going inside the top five rounds. I mean, even, even uh, Ken Walker is going in like the eighth to ninth round. Like, he is not seeing that, that jump. Right now, So unless something happens to Rashad Penny in training camp or something like that, like he's probably going to stay right there. And so most of all these running backs are, you know, later round picks. And so the rookie running back this year, you know, hasn't really taken off. It's really just the one guy. So I think there's quite, excuse me, there's quite a few options here to talk about. And I, I have another one. And that is Rashad White, who, you know, Uh, that comment that we just had up, uh, that's really funny. Shannon Sharp called him Leonard Baguette. That is hilarious. But uh, if you look at uh, Leonard Fournette, I mean, Leonard Fournette is not a model of... of of somebody staying healthy, he's never played a full season ever in his entire career. Uh, he played 13 in 2017, eight games in 2018, then 15, 13, and 14. So he's missed time every year, and there's no reason to believe that this year is going to be the year he stays healthy. I mean, he's coming up on his age 28 season is Leonard Fournette. Like, we have so many of these running backs this year that are going to be in the, getting older, and while a lot of people love Leonard Fournette, I think, you know, taking shots on Rashad White is definitely something that we should be looking to do because he kind of – Uh, you know, he is definitely a workhorse type back, six foot 214. He is an older player, 23 years old, but. You know his best comparable is David Johnson, and he does really compare very favorably to him because he is an excellent pass catcher out of the backfield, and somebody that really kind of took off. You know his final years at, at his final year at Arizona State, and so I, I love him, and I think that he could be a guy that if something happened to Leonard Fournette, and even still he may have some standalone value. Now G, Giovanni Bernard is still there, so it'll be interesting to see how that works out, but. Overall, like, I think Rashad White's definitely a guy that I want to be taking shots on in this Tampa Bay offense, especially with the amount of pass catchers that we're talking about right now that, that, that could be out. Like Chris Godwin, you know, we still don't know when he's going to be ready. He could be out. And then, you know, you're really looking at, you know, no Gronk. So, you know, they could be utilizing their running backs even more this year. So Rashad White could get some early run anyways by himself. So I like Rashad White kind of bit, quite a bit taking shots on him in, like, 12th, 13th round of my drafts. Yeah, what I like about him is that you know the pass catching is secure. If there's anything Rashad White does well,
1: it's, ex- it's the pass catching, right? And so that's what what we're going to need in, in Tampa Bay because they don't do a, a lot of rushes. Their run-to-pass ratio is one of the most unbalanced in the NFL. We saw Tom Brady chuck it, right, 700 times or whatever it was last year, like an obnoxious amount of times. And so we, we want to have the guy that's catching passes out of the backfield. And while Leonard Fournette is that projected guy – You know we've seen him have troubles like staying conditioned, staying healthy. It's what ran him out of Jacksonville, and so maybe if he has this contract, there's a a threat of him not, you know, putting in that work, and and we'll see, right? We have a month, like we said at the top, for him to get back into shape. But that next guy up, I think the pass catching, even though Giovanni Bernard's still there, he's 31, he's probably over the hill. They're probably gonna want to see what this rookie can do, and if he if he can pass block and not get Tom Brady blown up. I think that's very exciting for him to see what he can do maybe get 60 targets here that rookie year of course something probably has to happen with Leonard Fournette but not a bad option there We're going to keep it rolling here with these rookie running backs, Kev. We're going to just keep on going. Tyrion Davis Price, TDP as the kids are calling him. He's a guy that kind of came out of nowhere, right, in in the the rookie uh, uh, draft, right? He wasn't expected to go as high as he was, so had to dive in under the tape on him, kind of see what he was about. And he's really interesting because he's this big back for LSU. I think he ran at like 225, 230 for LSU. And then he slims down at the common. He's running at 220. He runs a 448, which is the 82nd percentile. His speed score, once you adjust for size, is in the 90th percentile. So he is trucking for a bigger guy. And now there's reports that he's all the way down to 415, or excuse me, 215. And so I'm curious on. Does he still have that power? But now we have this this speed guy, which we know speed backs in a Shanahan offense work really, really well. Now, we know Elijah Mitchell's the guy. You and I talked earlier uh, last night, actually, about you're really excited about Elijah Mitchell. So there's no question that he is, like, if he's healthy, he's going to be the guy. If the, the, the thing that never happens with the 49ers is that the running back stays healthy, but when there is one, they, they ride him, right? They're going to give them 20-plus carries a game. But that said – Uh, Elijah Mitchell had five different injuries last year that caused him to miss six games. I mean, we're talking about concussion, finger fracture, chest, rib sprain, shoulder injury, patella sprain, like he's nicked up all over the place. And I know all running backs get hurt, so I don't want to overemphasize it. But if there's anything that happens to him, I feel like TDP is going to be that next option just because of his, uh, it's maybe not the size now, but he does run really, really hard And now you have that speed component as well. And so it really makes him an interesting guy that I feel like fits in good with Kyle Shanahan. We have other names in there like Jeff Wilson, Trey Sermon. So it's definitely kind of this hodgepodge. Um, But if we can make Matt Breida or fantasy relevant back and a Jeff Wilson fantasy relevant and Carlos Hyde, when he was kind of, you know, just a meh guy, Kyle Shanahan can do it for all those guys. I don't see why the same couldn't happen for DDP. So at the very end, like your 16th round, If you go any deeper than that, I think that that's a perfect last guy to put on your bench for a really, really good running offense that's going to have most likely Trey Lance at the helm. And I want the running back that's attached there because we know that when there's a running quarterback, it just opens up lanes for those rushers to get more yardage to find the end zone.
0: Yeah, and so like with T- with, with Tyrion Davis Price, uh, obviously you know you can watch after you you know watch this. The I, I just dropped Elijah Mitchell's pro, uh, player profile or player outlook for twenty twenty two this afternoon, and so you can watch that. But with him, he's much more of a north south type runner, right? Where yep. Kyle Shanahan yep. does prefer more of that, you know, that outside zone scheme, which is just absolutely perfect for Elijah Mitchell. I mean, he was excellent last year in that outside zone scheme, where that's just not really Tyrion Davis Price's game. He's much more of that. You know, run up the middle, type back, your t- traditional type grinder. He was never utilized as a pass catcher either. But uh, I do think that he is somebody that I don't mind taking shots on later, because you know, with this backfield, you know, if something were to happen to Elijah Mitchell, which you know it did happen last year, but if he cannot stay healthy again this year, he is one hundred percent going to be the guy. It's not Trace. Trace Sermon is like just god awful. He's terrible. He's n- he's never going to be a thing ever. Hey, he
1: okay? didn't he didn't really get the he op- didn't get the opportunity. Let's hold off on that. He got put in the doghouse. We saw it with a couple other guys. Shanahan just gets this with some guys. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reserve judgment. I got to stick with my guy a little bit, but you're right. He's probably not the guy. They've been talking about Jeff Wilson kind of being that next guy up after uh, TDP. So I agree with you. It's TDP. Now let's see how the rest of it shakes out. But uh, he's an exciting last guy. Who do you got for your uh, sleeper from the wide receiver
0: area? Oh, no, no, no. You have one more
1: running back. One more. Yeah, running to back. Say,
0: we're, we're just completely disrespecting my guy, Deonta Foreman. So, oh. I, you know, again, it's, uh, talking about another guy that, that, uh, don't he, you know, he does, he's not going to really carry any standalone value, but I do think. For Christian McCaffrey, if something were to happen to Christian McCaffrey again, I think people are going to naturally flow to Chuba Hubbard because he was kind of the guy that did it last year. But, uh, you know, they went out and they signed De'onta Foreman, and I think he would 100% step right in to being the starting running back uh, for this team if something were to happen to Christian McCaffrey. You know, and he was pretty he was pretty good last year. I mean, he wasn't, you know, you know a league winner or anything like that, but he was certainly usable as a flex, but he was also kind of splitting touches in that backfield with a couple other running backs. But uh, we saw some pretty big games for him last year. Uh, You know, he had a 19.2, 15.5, 14.2. This is a guy that that came off Achilles uh, tear. It was pretty much kind of out of the league for a few years. But, uh, you know, I think this is kind of an interesting uh, guy to have on your bench. Or if something were to happen to Christian McCaffrey that when everybody's going to be running out to add Chuba Hubbard, I would go out and add Deontay Foreman because I think he would be the guy. Chuba Hubbard proved last year he can't do it. Chuba Hubbard was terrible. That's why at the end of the year that they pretty much went into a full-on committee at the end of the year because Chuba Hubbard just wasn't getting it done. And so I think Deonta Foreman would end up being the guy, uh, you know, so he is somebody that I, I, that I'm keeping a very close eye on somebody that I kind of have interest in. Listen, I, I don't love taking shots on these type of guys, like in my draft, like when I'm drafting, because because they're, they're pretty much just dead, dead pieces on your bench, right? Because there's absolutely they they if they don't have any sort of shot to being able to get it, getting on the field and having some sort of relevancy. Because he's not overtaking. I mean, Deontay Foreman's not overtaking Christian McCaffrey, right? So it's going to take an injury to Christian McCaffrey before Deontay Foreman ever becomes relevant. But these are just the guys that I would want to keep in the back of my mind if an injury were to happen. Who am I going to run out and add? And it wouldn't be Chuba Hubbard. It would be Deontay Foreman. And it's the same thing with a lot of these running backs. But there's other running backs we didn't talk about that I would want. On, that I want to draft 100% because I do think they have a path to start like week one. And that's like Tyler Algier, but I feel like we've talked a ton about him. Damian Pierce, uh, even maybe like a Marlon Mack, also with the Houston Texans, uh, are guys that I think that people should be definitely paying attention to as we get closer into draft season. Uh, because I think those guys, and even maybe like a Ronald Jones, who really isn't getting the buzz, you know, who could end up being the guy in Kansas City as well. But those would be the guys that I, that I would be wanting to draft that have some sort of standalone value that, that could – carve out themselves a significant role where some of these other guys just don't, it's going to take an injury for it to really, to occur. So one more name to add to that,
1: uh, thoughts on Gus Edwards. If he looks like he's going to be participating in training camp, we haven't heard as much buzz on him, but if we're worried about JK Dobbins at all, Gus looks like he's coming back healthy. Obviously I think he's probably a better talent than, than Mike Davis. Any interest in him at least to start as kind of that handcuff, maybe some
0: standalone value. I mean, yeah, I think you could. It's just I, I, I like Gus Edwards. You know, the old Gus Bus, right? Uh, you know, heading into last year, but then he he suffers a major injury as well. Yeah. You know, last year and missed all of last year. So it's kind of the same situation. Um, I would probably just stay away, uh, to be honest with you, because I mean, it was it was like musical chairs last year. With this with this running back crew, remember, I mean, it, it was Tyson Williams, you know, early in the year that we thought, and, which was such a weird situation, Ugh. too, because, like, that first game that he played, like, he looked really good. I'm like, okay, okay, maybe, maybe there is something here. And then, no, that died pretty quickly. But it didn't really help that I, I believe what there was that uh, – he, I think he missed uh, – Missed the block. Uh, yeah, and block. and just got Lamar Jackson just oh. absolutely annihilated. And, and so, that'll, yeah. that'll
1: get you sad. That's, that's the only reason Peyton Barber was in the league as long as he could, because he didn't fumble and he could pass block. So that doesn't do anything for fantasy-wise – but sometimes that's what gets him on the field.
0: Absolutely. And that's why like uh, somebody like Clyde edwards lair has never had a third-down role in, with the Chiefs because he is a terrible pass blocker and the Chiefs do not trust him whatsoever to be back there. And so that's why he's always been kind of rele- relegated to two. So, hey, actually, speaking of the Chiefs, uh, you got somebody on here who I think for most people, like fantasy uh, people, uh, people that play fantasy football, that when they see MBS, they're going to be probably not as excited about him. But I can tell you around these parts – like, around Kansas City, there is a lot of excitement for uh, Marcus Valdez-Scantling. Like, he uh, was just raved about all, uh, all offseason, minicamp. Um, he was a guy that, they, that everybody's continually talked about as having really strong rapport. There's been a couple of guys that I really trust right here that I listen to in terms of Chiefs news. And a, a lot of them are picking Marcus Valdez-Scantling to lead this team in receiving yards among the wide receivers this year, that he could be a 1,000-yard receiver for them. So, speak on it. Yeah, man. I, I think what's exciting about him is he just fits the profile
1: of this down the field explosive wide receiver. And those are the guys you're going to see a theme for most of my wide receivers. They're going to be down the field guys that score touchdowns that can make basically make your day in one play. Like that's that's the guys that I want to target in my later rounds. And, and MBS on a Chiefs offense that's thrown 39, 40 times per season over the last two seasons or per game uh, over the last two seasons. Those those are the type of shots I want to take. So MBS gets a three-year, thirty million dollar contract. He's the 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 guy, right? That's a better deal than Juju's one-year, ten million. Like the incentives are up to ten million. You like that? That we do know that there's an out for them with MBS's contract. They did it really well, but still, that's you'd rather have the, the trust in a three-year. And so if he flops, they can get out of it. But we have Juju coming in off the ACL. He's had a litany of other injuries, concussions, right? Like he doesn't have a clean bill of health, and we've seen him for multiple years. Other than that first uh, that second year with Big Ben, we've always kind of been disappointed with Juju, right? Turned him into a slot short yardage. Part of that's maybe Big Ben, but if we're gonna get a guy that's gonna get your 16 yards per catch, get you these down the field touchdowns, it's gonna be MBS, right? He's averaging in his career um, 17 and a half yards per catch. He had 13 touchdowns on 123 receptions in his career, so that's fantastic. Um, so yeah, even if we decrease that because the volume hasn't been massive. He's going to improve in his completion percentage, uh, I think, with Patrick Mahomes and the Andy Reid offense. And so, I don't know, he's a guy that can sneakily get like 100 targets and then just turn that into 55 receptions for 880, 900 yards and 67 to touchdowns. And all of a sudden, he's a top 36 guy, right? He's right there on the fringe for a good flex. And this is a guy that you're getting all the way back at, what, wide receiver 54, overall 134. So you're not looking at him until round 12. He's way back there and he definitely has it in his capability to be a uh, flex consideration. And so if you're looking at the, the end of your drafts, I think he needs to be a guy that you're focused on. The yardage is going to be there. Uh, the passing volume for this offense is going to be there, right? And who's most likely to take the pre Tyree kill, like, they didn't use Tyreek Hill to same. you know this better than anyone in 2021. They definitely changed it up with how defenses were regarding them. But pre-2021 Tyreek Hill, who's the most likely guy to kind of take those type of routes and throws? MVS kind of fits that slot. And so excited about that upside.
0: Yeah, there's been a lot of talk with him too, that, that he's not just going to be a deep threat guy, that they're gonna use him, uh, you know, in a number of different ways, that he's gonna run a more uh, you know, full route tree than just, you know, typical go routes and stuff like that. So I it's gonna be interesting to see how this this wide receiver core shakes out this year. Um, I expect mm-hmm. you're gonna hear a lot of Sky Moore hype as well, um, you know, in training camp because I think they're gonna do a lot to try to get him going, to get him, you know, um, to get him to learn this playbook and understand, you know, this Andy Reid complex offense that he's going to be put into. So um, I'm just not – I think Sky Moore's ADP is going to get higher than what I would be interested in. Because if you want to take Sky Moore like 11th, 12th round, no problem with that whatsoever. If he gets starts getting higher than that because some buzz start coming out about him and he starts going in like the 7th, 8th round, I can't do it. That's too high for him. I think there's so many other, uh, other uh, issues there with with him. So anyways, let's keep it moving. I'm going to talk about Jacoby Myers and Jacoby Myers is just disrespected. I mean, I I don't really understand why uh, for a player that had 867 receiving yards, 126 targets last year, he didn't really have the touchdown number, but one thing we know year over year, I mean, the the touchdown is the most least sticky stat uh, year over year. And, you know, there's so much variance in it. And I just, I just think that he's a guy that that's probably primed for another 25%, 26% target share, kind of very similar where he came in last year. And, you know, I, I think he is uh, Mac Jones' favorite target. And I don't really understand why people aren't really wanting to take him uh, because, I mean, a lot of other stuff, you know, kind of really lines up with what, what he does well and, you So for me, like I just think Jacoby Myers is such a smash play. Like even at even at worst, I think that at the very least, he's he's an he's a great flex option on a weekly basis, whatever. Especially once we get into bye weeks, he may not be a guy. He's not gonna be a guy who wins you your league or anything like that. But he's certainly a guy that can go out and give you, I think. I mean, I think he. I think a thousand yards and six touchdowns this year is in the range of possibilities for him. I mean, he wasn't far off that last year. I think you see a little bit of a bump in touchdowns. It was kind of a weird thing last year for him that he just continually. And I know the whole team like celebrated once he finally got into the end zone after it happened because I just felt like it was never going to happen that he was going to find the end zone, but he finally was able to do so. And like I said, I think you see Mac Jones take another step forward this year, year two in this offense, and then I think you see Jacoby Myers do the same. I mean, he's kind of gotten better each of the last two seasons he's been in the league so i like Jacoby myers quite a bit and i just you know if, if he's going to continue to go where he's going right now and right around uh what was it wide receiver 39 he's, or 37 he, right around wide receiver 37 that's just disrespectful
1: no he's 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 lower than that he's wide receiver 56 overall 137
0: oh yeah so oh, he, yeah that's what i mean yeah 137 yeah,
1: yeah. he's he's down there quite a ways and, and, Kev, the, the one I – don't, I don't think you can really knock any sleeper, right, because we're at the end of the drafts. Take who you want to take, right? The one problem I have is is – you'll see it in, in my philosophy with these guys. I want touchdown threats, and I want down-the-field explosive play guys. And those are the two things that are missing with Jacoby Myers, right? He is – at least this last year, he was a, a short A uh, uh, dot guy, 10.4 um, yards per, per reception. He had 126 targets and you're like, dang, he can turn that into some use. He has 83 receptions. That's fantastic. He could turn that into some yardage, 866 yards, right? He's not even breaking 900 yards on 83 receptions. And then the touchdowns, right? You talked about, we were waiting and waiting and waiting for that touchdown. He got two on 126 targets and he didn't have any in his previous two years. So on 168 receptions, he has two touchdowns. He's definitely not a red zone guy, a high touchdown guy. So, Again, we can't hate too much on sleepers because it's like, who do you want in this area? But, like, it doesn't feel like he hits those upsides that you want for a wide receiver, right?
0: Well, he was. I mean, if you go back to the year prior, 2020, he was. I mean, he was actually 13th in market share of the air yards, you know, among all wide receivers, uh, you know, in 2020. Um, so, I mean, he was a guy in his, uh, what was his average or his um, yards per reception was higher it was uh, 12.4 and the year before that was 13.8 last year was kind of a, a little bit different usage for him and the way they utilize him in more of a, you know, short intermediate guy, somebody that they utilize heavily from the slot, but he is still a guy that, that can definitely, you know, win vertically. And so I, I just think Jacoby Myers is just kind of a guy that people are over or undervaluing right now and has I mean, he was already a wide receiver thirty-five last year. I mean, he was a top thirty-six wide receiver last year, but he's not being valued like that at all. And they did nothing to to, to this this wide receiver room over the offseason. They Parker, added what type Thornton, Thornton. Parker? Oh, they, they, I I don't get that guy. That guy that guy, that guy would rather eat Skittles, okay, than than worry about <laughs> than worry about football. Okay. I mean,
1: I agree with you, but like probably gonna start.
0: But again, but that's not, but that that is not a threat to Jacoby Myers. But Jacoby Myers is locked in as the slot wide receiver here in this offense.
1: Over or under 126 targets, which is what he got last year.
0: I would say slightly over. I don't think it's going to be like drastically over. I'm not expecting 150 targets for him this year, right. but I think 130. I think is fair. Yeah,
1: so I mean, he's right there. Unless he improves on that yards, which it sounds like you're. Hey, he's going to take a step forward. He's not just going to be this kind of slot uh, low A dot guy. Absolutely, if that happens, uh, I'm definitely more in on him. I am gonna switch it back to these more exciting wide receivers. These down the field touchdown threats. If Kenny Galladay can stay healthy, he's gonna smash his ADP. I know Kadarius Tony is the hotness that everyone wants to hype. They say he has all this upside. No, for me, this is Kadari, uh, This is Kenny Galladay because we've seen him be the, the touchdown guy, right? I think two seasons ago, his last healthy season, right, he had 11 touchdowns. He was second in the NFL in touchdowns. Uh, He scored, uh, take out last year, because last year was just kind of an abysmal uh, year for the Giants. Had injuries at quarterback, injuries at all the wide receivers, right? Their entire offense was bad. Outside, if you take out last year, he scores a touchdown 11% of his catches, which is fantastic for a wide receiver. That's like, that's getting close to Adam Thielen numbers, which is like one of the highest that we've seen in touchdown rates over the past two or three seasons. And so now if we take uh, an upgrade from Joe Judge, Jason Garrett, to Brian Dable, Ken Dorsey, And we like that this line is improving who, who can be that main beneficiary in the passing game. I think it's Kenny Galladay, right? We get back to the 15 and a half yards per reception that he had. um, We get back to him scoring touchdowns. Maybe he doesn't know. It's not 11% rate, but even at eight, 9% rate where he's getting seven, if he gets 110 targets, like, that's a really good season where he's going to be right there at the flex, and he's going as wide receiver, fifty-seven overall, one thirty-eight, right around Jacoby Myers and MVS. We've been talking about like in my mind, he has that alpha personality and that alpha uh, build for wide receiver that we want to see. And so, if Daniel Jones can take a little bit of a step forward and work on that deep pass and that accuracy, man, I get that there's injury concern here. I I, I understand it, but that's already well baked into the price and then some. If he stays healthy, man, he's crushing this ADP.
0: Yeah, it shouldn't take much, right? Because I don't think there's like a clear like roadblock for him to be able to reach that. Right? I think it's kind of a wide open system. I mean, really, even guys like Sterling Shepard, right, who is injured himself right now. But I mean, Sterling Shepard, when healthy, has always been a producer. But like, none of the wide receivers from this offense are are being are being um, drafted high at all. Like, you can take a shot on all of them. Kadarius Tony. I know you're not a Kadarius Tony guy, but you know, but you know, Kadarius Tony. Uh, Kenny Galladay like there's a lot of wide receivers here uh, you know that I think that could one of them could at least prevail as kind of being at least at the very least maybe like a low-end wide receiver three or wide receiver four flex option type play so I don't mind taking shots on Kenny Galladay um, especially at cost but I would rather have Jacoby Myers but um, even anyways let's I want to keep it moving let's talk about Josh Palmer and listen I want I want off. I want pieces of this Chargers office. We talked about with Spiller. I'm going to talk about it again with Josh Palmer. We're talking about an aging 30 year old uh, Kenny or uh, Keenan uh, Keenan Allen, and Keenan Allen uh, efficiencies has dropped every single year over the last four years. And we've, we've started to see more and more, a little bit of a decline from him and, you know, we could see an even bigger one this year. And I think it's possible, you know, not that I think that Josh Palmer is going to take over for Keenan Allen. It's just not going to happen, but if something were to happen, like an injury, he has suffered some injuries in his career, something like that. It's wheels up. Absolutely. For Josh Palmer, who would be the number two wide receiver here in this offense. And, you know, we kind of saw him last year, kind of, uh, you know, kind of, you know, kind of take off a little bit over in the second half. Uh, Three of his last five games, he scored double digit fantasy points as well. And so, You know, I want wide receivers that are tethered to great quarterbacks, and this is one. This is one of them being, you know, already the number three wide receiver. He's got to be a guy who's got to get targets. I could see kind of like a Van Jefferson, you know, while while everybody's healthy, where he's going to have some weeks, he'll have some spike weeks. Maybe you don't really ever know when to play him, you know, in terms of. But if something were to happen, you know, to one of these other wide receivers, Mike Williams or Keenan Allen, that he could really take a big bump in target share. And so I like I like uh, taking shots on Josh Palmer because of that. Uh, He. He's already going to have some standalone value because, like I said, he's going to be the number three wide receiver in this offense. But I think he could have an even bigger role if something happens, either one or the other two.
1: Yeah, no, this is a, uh, another guy that I'm interested in as well. I'm glad you put him on the list because I, I kind of left him out, and I was like, man, I really hope we talk about him, so I'm glad you put him on. I mean, last year, his first season, right, he gets 49 targets, which isn't anything crazy, but, like, if you're talking about building upon your rookie year, let's see what happens with, with Mike Williams, right? He, he's been in and out of the lineup here and there. You have talked about Keenan Allen, who I love. I hate hearing potentially breaking down, getting older, like, man, I've been riding him for so long. Josh Palmer's right there in an offense that honestly can probably support three wide receivers. Let's see what they do at tight end. I'm a, I'm a Gerald Everett fan. I think he'll get his targets as well. But if we see a, a little bit of a decrease from Eckler or Jer, uh, Jared Cook's uh, share that's now going to Gerald Everett, Like, there's no reason why uh, Josh Palmer couldn't get 75 uh, targets. And then there's that bump if anything happens to the first two guys in front of him. So this is absolutely a guy that I am in agreement on for later in your draft. My last guy is going to be Jalen Tolbert, and you don't even have to draft this guy. He's going 205 overall, wide receiver 72. But here's the reason why I feel like maybe that last round you throw him on your team just to have – you can always churn your waiver wire if you need to kick him off. But if we find out in training camp or right after your draft going into preseason week three that Jalen Tolbert is expected to be the number two ahead of James Washington – Watch out because Michael Gallup, we know he has surgery, ACL surgery in February, not January, not December, not in the season. After the season, he has surgery and and that timeline does not match up for starting week one. It probably doesn't match up. For starting uh, week four, right? The new pup rules are you're going to be out for four weeks. So he's probably out weeks one through four. And then we've seen how they ease him back in. Like you could, you could honestly make the case that Jalen Tolbert could be the wide receiver two on a Dallas Cowboys offense that throws 38 times per game since Kellen Moore's taken over as offensive coordinator. And that's just really exciting looking at the lack of other options they have. I know you love Dalton Schultz. He's obviously going to get his right around 100, 110 targets. Zeke and Pollard are going to work in, they always have their share. But past that, you're telling me James Washington and then nobody, right? So if he can beat out James Washington in this battle to to get targets from Dak, it's really, really exciting. Again, we talk about a down-the-field guy at South Alabama, a touchdown guy at South Alabama. Like This is a wide receiver that just fits that mold of what Michael Gallup did on the outside already, going down the field, catching touchdowns. He fits right in. Um, He will be a rookie, so there's probably going to be a little bit of learning curve. But, man, he can absolutely spike in some weeks with the amount of volume that they throw the ball in Dallas.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's somebody that I, I've talked a lot about this off season as, as a guy that people should be a little bit higher on than they should. Because like, it seems like there's no buzz whatsoever for Jalen Tolbert. And I don't really understand. And some of it could be because everyone's just kind of waiting. Okay, what's the, the actual news going to be for Michael Gallup? When is he going to be ready? And I think it's the same thing for like Chris Godwin compared to Russell Gage. Because Russell Gage is still going in like the 10th, 11th round, somewhere right around there. And all that's going to change. Once, um, once we get some guys, you know, like once we get more clarity on their situations, like Michael Gallup, if he is going to be on pup, if he's going to miss the first month, two months of the season, then I think you start seeing Jalen Tolbert rise because right now, I mean, there's not a whole lot else there, right? They added James Washington, which I care less about, and so I do think Jalen Tolbert's a really interesting guy this year, and it could be kind of that dark horse, uh, you know, rookie wide receiver that you know has a much bigger year than what people are anticipating. So I do like that call as well. Then you know what? I don't know how many more times I can go to him, but I, I'm, I'm going to keep doing it, I guess, just because I love the talent, and it's Paris Campbell, 291. I mean, he's not even on anybody's radar. He's not being drafted anywhere, but Paris Campbell is, you know, we know he's a super athletic guy, four three one, 3 a 98th percentile speed score, a 97th percentile burst score. We say it every year, and I don't know, uh, maybe maybe one day uh, he'll hit but it's, it's like, And it's the crazy part with Paris Campbell. It's like every time he finally has a good game, it's like the next week he's out for the year, right? Yep. Like last yep. week, last year, same thing. He didn't really do a whole lot, 3.4, 2.9, 4.2, 9.6, and then he has a 12.1. You know, he, he has a 50-yard touchdown. Bam. Done for the year, boys. Uh, call it a day, but there's just so much opportunity here for him because there's nobody else there outside of Michael Pittman, right? There's no real clear cut guy at tight end. There's no, I mean, Alec Pierce, I know they drafted. I know there's going to be some people talk about him. I I want no part of Alec Pierce. I don't think Alec Pierce is actually good at football. Um, I think it was a wasted pick. I don't think there's any reason they should have ever taken him ahead of Sky Moore or George Pickens. Like that is just disrespectful of the wide receivers they could have taken. He is nothing more than just a deep threat and that's it. He's a go route wide receiver. He's never going to develop into anything more than that. And so, listen – Apparently. Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> I've, I've, I've been saying that forever, though. I will say I've been I've been saying that all offseason off about Alec Pierce, and I was blown away that, that that they took him where they took him, especially with the wide receivers that were still on the board. You know, hell, take David Bell if you want. You know, put him in the slot. You know, whatever. Like, it, there's just so many other options they could have took, and they took Alec fucking Pierce. So listen. But that's why we love Michael Pittman this year, too, because it is absolute wheels up because there's nobody else there. And who knows? Maybe they sign Julio Jones. That's one that we I mean, I know I'm switching gears here a little bit, but we have not heard nothing about Julio Jones and like signing anywhere. There's been some like rumors, like speculation of where he could sign. But I mean, you would think that he would be on a team right now with, with training camp getting ready to go. You know, not that he's a guy that like needs training camp, but you would think that he would have been signed by now.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I I don't care where Julio goes. You know, if it's if it's like a a Packers situation, he's gonna get some buzz. If it's you know the Colts, like you said, it'll get some buzz. But I I don't think it's gonna mess with the guys that I'm excited about. I mean, we've got Quentin here talking about Pitt gonna, Pittman going Pittman going to eat. He's he's definitely been in with us. We all three of us, you and Cody, are all big on Pittman. I thought I was the highest ranking him at like wide receiver 11, and then here you are, and you have him in the top 10. Like we're fighting to see who can be highest on Pittman. So we're in on how this offense will take the step forward because most of the time when you see a quarterback upgrade that's like, okay, they went from Carson Wentz to Matt Ryan, it's like you feel mediocre about it. But the deep accuracy from Carson Wentz to Matt Ryan is like night and day. Matt Ryan is, is consistently like a top eight deep uh, ball completion percentage guy, and, and Carson Wentz always has been out to, outside like the top 20-ish. And so I think that's a big piece for Michael Pittman. And, and so, yeah, I think that's interesting for for that offense we got to get to our guy, Tomb King here, because he's asking us about the Saints. And I know we hit at the top with some of our thoughts with, okay, it looks like Michael uh, Thomas is going to be healthy um, coming into the training camp. It looks like Jameis Winston's going to be all systems go. So he's curious about this offense. And he asked specifically about Michael Thomas Kamara. Camara. So maybe, Kev, start with Kamara because we have the up in the air. Are we worried about the game uh, suspension or are we not? And, and what are we doing with that? And then we'll hit on Michael Thomas again.
0: I'm starting to think that he's not going to get suspended at all this year because um, I think there's a chance that, one, that the NFL typically doesn't make a ruling until like after something legal has happened, right? right? And they have pretty much already pushed this out to pretty much, I think, October, I believe. And then they're going to continue it again until after the season. So I don't think that he's going to get suspended at all this year. And so, which is great news for people wanting to draft Alvin Kamara or, you know, you have him as a keeper or something like that. And so I think that – I don't think we should be as concerned about that right now. So I've actually moved Alvin Kamara back up to where I had him originally. I think I'm at 10, RB10, RB9, RB10. And I might be a little bit too low on him just because his pass catching upside that he does possess. Um, And really, I mean, I'm not worried about Mark Ingram. But to me, if I want anybody from this offense, it's Alvin Kamara for sure, and then it's Chris Olave. And that's the list. Like, I just don't want to mess with Michael Thomas because I guarantee you, if we start getting some positive stuff about Michael Thomas and then he's able to go out to training camp, his ADP is going to rise. And I just don't want any part of it. I don't want to be part of the 29-year-old wide receiver who's said nothing but run slouts at his what that runs slants in his entire career with a quarterback that couldn't do anything more than just just, you know, throw short and intermediate passes at that stage of his career. And so this is a guy that you're banking off what he did two years ago and that he's going to somehow be able to stay healthy and actually play this year to be able to do that. No, no, thank you. I just don't want any part of that. Give me Chris Olave. Like I said, and Alvin Kamara, and those would be the guys that I really would want any part of like, you know, I liked Marquez Callaway, but I, I just don't think that's probably, at least this year, it's not something I'm, I'm really all that concerned about. Maybe you could pick him up if he does start to take off. He flashed some last year. Uh, maybe if, if if this offense opens up a little bit more and they, they get you know some more deep threat type stuff, the offensive line still is pretty good as well, even though they lost to Ron Armstead. But for me with the Saints, it's really just those two guys, the only ones that I want.
1: What worries me is I don't know what their pass volume is going to be, right? Like we saw when Winston was a starter, it was incredibly low, like bottom of the league tied with Seattle, who just never throws. And then you have Jameis just throw this amazing TD percentage. He had the five touchdown game on what, like 20 uh, attempts, 15 completions, <laughs> three one third of his passes were touchdowns. So I'm wondering what that volume is because I don't think it can support and I said this going into last year before we saw that Michael Thomas was going to be out. We're like, all right, he's going to be back. And everyone's ranking him in the top 10. And I'm like, I'm a little bit lower. I have him in the teens. I think he's that compiler that doesn't have Drew Brees anymore. He doesn't have that completion percentage with Winston. He doesn't have um, you know, the, the same efficiency. And so I pulled the reins back a little bit and, and I'm still kind of feeling that, but I'm definitely not as low as you. Like I think he can be flex worthy if we get all systems go health wise I think he's going to be a fine flex, but again, he's always been a compiler, right? He gets 160 targets. He turns that into, you know, hundred uh, receptions for 1100 yards. Like he's not going crazy yardage wise. He's not going crazy with his touchdowns either. And so he's right there as this flex guy for me. Um, and you're right. He's probably going to get pushed up to higher than I want to take him. So I'll probably miss out on him. Uh, Kamara, I'm kind of in the same page. I'm in the wait and see mode. Will he get suspended? Will he not? But even if he does, it's not going to be for that long. So I'll have him right there as a low-end running back one, high-end running back two. And then, again, we mentioned before, uh, love Olave and and really, really hope that that he is successful year one because I I loved him as a prospect. And I think he can really succeed with Winston. So, Tomb King, there is your full little Saints recap for your pleasure.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I just – I don't know. I know, I know Walido loves Michael Thomas, but let's be real. Walido loves like every Saint. Like it doesn't matter who it is. Like, and he thinks they're just going to be the best every single year. And I'm, I'm, they're probably not going to be. They're probably maybe finished fourth in the division this year. Is within the range of possibility, especially with Sean Payton gone. Like Sean Payton is a hell of a head coach and does a really good job of getting their guys in the in the right spot and kind of you know understanding. Because uh, I, I think that's a lot, but. I think we could see them uh, open this off of, offense up more this year with Dennis Allen and Sean Payton's gone. So,
1: yeah. What about what about one more here? We're, we're, we got a couple more minutes here. What about Rondell Moore? I think this is an interesting name because he's actually beginning a lot of buzz from beat writers. They say he's really picking up the offense year two. They're going to use him different. Not have this behind the line of scrimmage a dot right where he has a negative uh, depth per target. Uh, curious if you think uh, I can't remember if it was Walido or Quit. And they said, hey, he's going to slide right into uh, christian kirk's role maybe be a little bit more down the field Are are you buying into any ronda more especially with d hop missing those first six games or is this a marquise brown show with zach ertz kind of mixing in and that's about all
0: you want i don't know what to expect because it's not like deandre hopkins didn't miss a large portion of last year as well and he still did absolutely nothing right I mean, you know, the one name that I have that, like, people haven't talked about at all is A.J. Green. Like, I'm like, should people be more higher on A.J. Green than they are right now? Um, not that I'm thinking that he's going to be, like, some, like, smash play, but, like, he's just kind of, like, been completely forgotten. But, I mean, Rondell Moore did nothing last year. I mean, he had, uh, you know, right out the gate, he had what? The 10.8, 24.4, and then week five, he had 14.7. And then absolutely nothing until week 11, where he scored 16.1. And then after that, he's also did nothing else the rest of the season. So, like, I, I, I can buy it a little bit because I liked Rondell Moore coming out, and I think they could do more to be more dynamic with him and with all, you know, getting more creative, getting the ball in his hands. But, you know, he could be a guy that I end up, you know, looking back on and realize that maybe he was a little bit more of a better option. But I don't know. I just They didn't utilize him at all last year. They weren't creative with within the ways that they used him last year. And nothing's changed this year to, to believe that that's going to change now, right? And especially when DeAndre Hopkins comes back, now you have DeAndre Hopkins, Marquise Brown, you know, then where does he fit in? So I don't know. Um, It it is possible though, that maybe they do get more credit, especially with like Chase Edmonds gone. And, you know, considering how the way Chase Edmonds was used last year, so maybe Rondell Moore fills some of that Chase Edmonds type role. And that's where he kind of gets a little bit more interesting, gets a little bit more options. And so, you know, I don't mind taking shots on him because it was what his ADP is. Like his ADP isn't anything to really be all that concerned about. Uh, you know, at, at you, where you can easily take shots on him. If he doesn't work, then you just move on from him. But, you know, I'm not projecting like that he's just going to be some sort of smash play either.
1: Yeah, he's a guy that I have not been in on uh, prospect wise. You know, you like um, his athleticism, you like what he did at Purdue. But again, we have that size and his average depth of target that we thought and projected it would come into the NFL as being pretty short. And it was in year one, they did not find a way to utilize him um, in a way that's successful at the NFL. So, so far it's kind of gone the way I-, I thought it would, but I'm interested to see if it shifts because I think he has the talent. If you can figure out a way to use him instead of just all these swing passes and the short slants, like if you can find a way to get him to push down the field, because he has the speed, I- I- I'm hopeful. I'm rooting for the guy. Cause I think he's a hell of a talent. It's just, I don't know if clean cliff Kingsbury utilizes him the way he should be with Chase Edmonds gone. I really like that point because can he kind of be that third down back? I don't, if, if you're just sending him out on a swing and you're not expecting the pass block anyways, with how mobile Kyler is like, why can't he be that guy? That He's just the, that, that guy that is out there for the dumps. And maybe that's still the problem is that he's not getting any yardage for it. But uh, yeah, he's a guy that I'm out on, but I'm cautiously like trying to find a way to like him.
0: Yeah, I and mean, that's kind of where, where you know I don't know we'll, we'll see on that. Um, some other names that I did want to mention that we did we haven't really mentioned. I think Daryl Henderson is definitely a name, but I feel like mm-hmm. he's pretty obvious, right? Like if it's Cam high. Akers doesn't it doesn't take off, if Cam Akers gets hurt again, like Daryl Henderson is absolutely the guy there in that backfield. I know they drafted Kyron Williams, but I'm not really all that concerned with him. I think it would be Daryl uh, Henderson who really took over and would be the lead back once again. So he's certainly a guy that I think people should have on the radar. Christian Watson is going to be a super interesting one that I know we didn't, we haven't I don't think I feel like we've talked a ton about him in this situation but I, I really don't know what to expect from Christian Watson. I know that, you know, he's obviously a super athletic guy, but you know, is very comparable to Marquez Valdez Gantling, but they spent a second round pick on I don't know if they'll utilize him correctly. I don't know if he'll just be kind of that Marquez Valdez scaling role this year where he just kind of utilizes a deep threat, um, have some spike weeks, but not somebody that we can rely on, on a week-to-week basis. Um, and then, you know, like John Dotson, I think is another interesting name just because I think he's a much better wide receiver, but just not a great landing spot in Washington because I, I mean, when's the last time, if ever that Carson Wentz has been able to support multiple pass catchers in an offense. And I think that's just the sad thing with him. And so I, I it's hard to trust him, Tim Patrick, you know, if something happens to Cortland Sutton or Jerry Judy, it's wheels motherfucking up for Tim Patrick, who is always undervalued somebody that nobody ever really pays attention to and really cares about you know and you know it's like that sound on tiktok he just wants to be appreciated okay like (laughs) it's really really what he wants but he doesn't get that appreciation and so Tim Patrick is certainly a name that I think people should be, you know, paying attention to maybe it's like a 14, 16 team league type of league to really be looking at somebody like Tim Patrick, but even like a KJ Hamler who's coming off an injury in his own right. A lot of, there's been a lot of speculation about him and how well he has looked, you know, so far. And then you have guys like K, uh, KJ Osborne, but I also think Amir Smith-Marset is also an interesting name uh, for that wire what in that room, because honestly, I think this is going to be an offense. It's going to be top, probably top 10, definitely, but maybe even top five in pass attempts this year. Obviously, Justin Jefferson is the man there, and that that you know, and Irv Smith and at old ass Adam Thielen. But the the number three wide receiver role, I think, is going to be an interesting one. And while KJ Osborne certainly was the guy, he was not very efficient at all, struggled at times. And I think Amir Smith, Marset is the guy who they drafted last year could maybe take another step forward and could end up being that number three wide receiver. So just another name that I would be keeping in the back of your minds. And then Hassan Haskins looks like the you know a really good solid uh option as well if something happened to derrick henry and let's be honest it wouldn't shock me one bit if derrick henry got hurt again this year because he's 46 years old and has you know had a ton of carries and coming off of a foot injury so you know if something were to happen to him i think asan haskins could actually be a pretty in- in- interesting name as well to to monitor
1: yeah a running back turns 26 and, and kev they're, they're out in <laughs> kev's book they're 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 35 they're, they're okay
0: Listen, any running back that gets that once they get once they get up to that point, I'm like, yep, I'm out. I'm done. Uh, because, uh, yeah. I mean, look at all the running backs we've seen over the years, though, that have just completely fallen apart. You know, you know, once they hit that age, I mean, Todd Gurley, good example. Right. Went from different, the leader, different story, just falling fall off the cliff. Different
1: story there. Like there is a condition with the knees in that situation. I think the, I think here's the one thing and I've had this discussion on some dynasty podcasts because obviously you're looking at the longevity of these guys that are top 10 ish right now, but will they fall off? Right, Dalvin Cook, Christian McCaffrey, um, name all those guys from the 2017 class. Right, they're all getting to that age where you're worried if are they going to fall off or not. I don't think we've had a class that's that good in a long time. Right, we had the 2014 class of like Bishop Sankey and, and like nobody. Right, there was there was a horrible class there. Uh, 2013, I can't remember who it was, but like we had two or three classes where there was like nobody, and so we've had this gap where we haven't allowed running backs to get that old because we haven't had that good of running backs, and so I'm on the opposite side of the fence where I think at least three of these guys will produce into age 28, 29, and maybe even age 30 season because we have seen it before, going back to Matt Forte and some of those good running backs in the late 2010s or the, the the late 2000s, early 2010s. It has happened. It's just we haven't only really had those classes get to that age recently. So we'll see. Maybe we'll get you in a dynasty league, and we can we can see how these uh, assets grow over time. over time, depreciate over time. Yep.
0: Yeah. No. And I actually, I, you know, I've been doing a lot. Well, actually, I've been doing all the profiles so far. <laughs> but um, I, th- I think I need to do one on Derrick Henry. Uh, just my annual Derrick Henry slander, uh, you know, profile but that you're I'm wrong do- every year.
1: Three years only, It was
0: only one year I did it. I did it last year, okay. And actually, technically, well, I guess you could say you could bro. say I was wrong. But if we can also also on the other hand of that say, well, he only lasted eight games. So um, where was, was he in the fantasy playoffs? A cheat for you?
1: code. You he was a there. cheat code for eight weeks. He, he was a cheat. You code. You know,
0: I, I, don't wanna, I don't want to. I don't want to. You know, unload here uh, all my information of what I'm going to say. But like some of it is being a little bit o- overblown. Like there's all this like. Oh my God! Look how many rushing yards he had in only eight games. He finished the year with like top seven in, in a tips. Like, you act that's like thats the a reason bad thing. he got hurt—is because you act he, like that's a bad thing. What do you mean?
1: You act like a work, a good workload is a bad thing. We can't get into this. We're, he wasn't we're
0: efficient at all.
1: He, he, like, you don't have to oh, be. There's so many things. We could, oh man, we'll Martin. do we'll do a throwdown. That's what we need to do, guys. Throwdowns are coming. We're excited about them because what do Kevin and I love doing more than anything? disagreeing and arguing and kept being wrong. I mean, it happened in our rankings disputes last week. You guys all saw it. You were in here. Kev was wrong on almost every single one. So we will get the throwdowns for you. I'll be on the Derrick Henry side.
0: Oh, you're going to be wrong on that one because uh, no, no thanks on Derrick Henry. Um, I want no part of that. So anyways, um, listen, we're just getting started. Uh, it's uh, still only mid-July. It feels like we're like in the middle of August, but we're not. We're only mid-J- mid-July. So once August gets here, that's when training, or that's when you know training camp is in full swing. That's when preseason games are going to start firing up, and that's really when drafts will start to kick off over the next couple of weeks. And once we get into August, so uh, we're excited about that. We're going to start ramping up even more live streams, more live shows, so we can start getting more questions. And we'd like to start, you know. You guys have drafts coming up. Maybe you know have some conversations about a, a, your specific draft that you're in. You know, or you know, because every league is different. You know, not everybody's in just a cookie cutter PPR ESPN league or Yahoo league. You know, so people have some other uh, other other things that are going on with their leagues and different types. Or you know, an auction strategy. Uh, you know, Robbie's the auction guy around here. I am a big keeper league guy. That's my favorite way to play fantasy football is a keeper league. So any keeper league questions, I am definitely love. Every time we get uh, keeper questions on. Our YouTube channel and every time I see him I, I get excited to answer him because I love Keeper League uh, so much so we're gonna be doing all that and or you can jump into our absolutely free discord um you know for, if you are new here jump into the discord absolutely free link in the description um every one of our videos it's in there absolutely free to join um so love seeing more and more people over there love seeing the conversations while in there all the time I pretty much just tell him how wrong he is all day but you know it's par for the course. I love Walid,o but I also just tell him he's wrong more often than not. So, anyways, uh, you know, like I said, I'm excited. It's only Tuesday. I got, I got, I got another profile to record right as soon as I get off here. So, Robbie, hope you have a great rest of the week. I know you're going on vacation, I believe, or something like that. So, uh, enjoy that, and uh, we will see you very soon. Actually, we'll see you tomorrow. Have a great night. Bye.